Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. All right, so we are in smack dab in the middle of our Never Alone series, and we've heard some amazing messages about how, like, we're never alone. I think we, um, as a church, as a leadership team, um, just heard the stories over and over again of people coming out of the pandemic and feeling alone and missing community, and we thought it would be a great opportunity to have a theme for that this year where we got to just, like, like soak in the fact that we get to be with God, that we get to have community within our ministries, within our regions, and and where we live, within our homes. Um, And we were just happy to not be alone anymore. You know what I'm saying? We were just excited about that. So, but I'm gonna approach it from a little bit of a different angle today because while there were many of you that were excited to come out of the pandemic, some of y'all were like, you know, the pandemic was hard and all, but I kind of miss being alone, you know what I'm saying? I kind of miss those times where I ain't had to talk to nobody, I ain't had to look at nobody, you know? And I have, you know, I feel like there's two different types of people that went through the pandemic. You know, you had the first type of person that when we went on lockdown, y'all went absolutely nuts, okay? Y'all didn't know what to do with yourselves, you felt claustrophobic, you felt imprisoned, you know? You volunteered to go get milk, even though there was like a whole gallon in the fridge, but you needed to have another gallon or something. You had arguments with your wife about why you couldn't stay sheltered in. I'm not speaking from experience or anything. You know, so that was, that was like the one type of person, okay? Then you had the other type of people. And, you know, it was kind of a time of serenity for us. You know, we, we got to drink our coffee and we got to watch church under a blanket with our children nestled under a fire. And we were quite content, you know? <laughs> So I want to do a little game that we, we, you know, we tend to do in our, uh, in, our, uh, in our household. It's called Would You Rather. And to do that, I'll need to invite you all to join in with me. Uh, we do something called Mentimeter. Um, you can log on to www.mentimeter.com. And you can um, you know, plug in your code, which we got at the top of the screen. Um, And you can join in because we want to hear from you as well, YouTube. We like to be interactive within this ministry. And so, you know, and and thinking about those two types of people, I've got, you know, two two options there. You know, would you rather is typically a game where you have to choose really two opposite things to do for the rest of your life. You can only choose one. So would you rather, you know, live in a mansion by yourself, okay? Like, you can't have nobody else but you in a mansion, Or would you rather be on the streets with a community? Okay, two different types of people now. Those that just want to be left alone and those that need people. So which type are you? Okay. (laughs) So I got the mansion people. I'm good all by myself. Okay. And I got the community people. Look, some of y'all changed your answers now. You're like, wait a minute. I'm going to be on the streets. But just two different types of people. Which type of person are you? My husband 
is the I need community type, okay? I often get to sit in the chair as my husband preaches and shares these hypotheticals. You know, in marriage, you know, when the wife don't listen, and uh, like we know who he's talking about, right? Like, it's not like somebody gave you that, you know? So, so now mama's getting to preach, you know what I'm saying? Wifey up here now. So, but in this scenario, my husband is the one that goes nuts. He needed to be out, you know, he needed to be among the people. It don't matter if they got COVID, we got to preach the word. I got to be with people, okay? I'm the one that I was just fine all by myself. Like, I just, I, I got my tea. Oh, I'm watching service. I'm singing with my children. It's awesome. But I come from the, you know, the, my background is like, I'm good all by myself. And I know many of us were asking that question as we came out of the pandemic. Why can't I just be alone? Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. You know, I'm not bored. I, I went out and got me another job. I'm good, okay? I don't even like people. People get on my nerves. They fake. They phony. I love the women. The women, I don't even like women. You do realize you're a woman yourself, right? You know, it's like you've just decided that being alone is being better and you'll be cordial, but you're going to be good all by yourself, you know. Or even you're not just alone, but you can have one other person, okay. That's the new thing with this generation too. Like, it's like you and your boo are like married plus, okay. It's like we're married and we're together all the time. We do everything together. We stay on the phone. We fall asleep together. We watch movies for like eight hours. And I'm like, in my day... You had to buy a calling card. Like, every minute counted. You had to pay for time. You know, you couldn't just, like, fall asleep. So it's a whole new, different generation. But it's either I'm good by myself or I'm good with one other person. And you're like, I'm doing just fine. But you're not doing just fine. And you want to know how I know you're not doing just fine? Because you weren't designed to be that way. You weren't designed to be alone. Even God wasn't alone. He had him, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And he could have been like, I'm good all by myself. But he chose not to. You know, LeBron would not say, oh, I'm good. I'll, look, I don't need a team. I'll go play anybody. Yeah, give me whatever team you want to, and I'll beat them. No, you need a team, right? Even Rihanna, okay? She had her whole halftime show, and it was awesome. But who are all these TikToks about? It's about these dancers, okay? She had like 300, 1,000, I don't even know how many dancers. They the ones we were watching. She was cute, but she needed a team, right? It's the same thing with us. You special. God has plans for you. He got things for you to do, and you can't do them all by yourself. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, she's talking to the person next to me, right? Like, that's not for me. I'm just trying to look. I'm just trying to get a degree. I'm trying to raise these kids. I'm trying to go to work. Those are things you do, but that's not really why you were created. You were created with purpose, and God has a purpose in the plan of your life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, we are God's masterpiece. You a masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I know you have ideas about how your week or how your month or how your year should go, but God has things planned out for you to do. He knits you together specifically the way that you are in your mama's womb. And he didn't knit you to sit at home and be good all by yourself, okay? Would Michael Jordan sit at home? Would Oprah just talk to her friends? Hey, girl, yeah, let's just talk me, you, and Gail. Mm -mm. They knew they had gifts to share with the world, and so do you. And that's how I want you to leave out of here today, walking tall, feeling like a masterpiece, and feeling empowered, like God has some stuff for me to do. And there are no exceptions to that. This applies to you. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, this applies to you. Okay, I need you to do the other side too, because some, somebody may not have somebody. So neighbor, this applies to you. Okay, y'all got a whole something going on right now. I like it. Let's turn over to Exodus 2 because I want to turn to somebody who can relate to being good all by himself. Exodus chapter 2, we are going to look at the story of Moses. I have been knee deep in Moses the last few weeks, months. I've read this story so many times, but for some reason God has planted me here. While you're turning over in Exodus 2, I'm going to set the story for us. So Moses was born at a time when his people were in slavery. They were ruled by this group of people called the Egyptians, and they were led by Pharaoh, who was their king. And Moses' people were many, and Pharaoh became afraid that they were going to rise up and rebel. And so he ordered that all the midwives of Moses' people, if there was a baby that was being born and it was a boy, that the boy would die, that they would kill the boy, okay? So this is the time when he's coming into the world. And we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Exodus 2, verse 1. It says, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby, yes, and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Ooh, I love it when a plan comes together, y'all. Look at the plan that God had for Moses. 
He was born at a time when his birth meant a death sentence. He should not have survived, but he was born to believing parents. They are in what's called, I like to call the Hall of Faith of Fame. In Hebrews chapter 11, you get to read about Noah and his faith. You get to read about Abraham. Do you know that Moses' parents are in there as well? Why? Because when, they, when Moses was born and they saw that he was an unusual child or a special child, which what mama don't think her baby is special, right? But they were moved to hide him and they were not afraid of the king's command. How do you hide a baby? I can't even keep a baby quiet in the house, let alone, like, how does that happen? Babies cry, and Egyptians and Hebrews live close to each other. So this was a risky decision. So you've got them raising this baby. They made it for 90 days. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then God gave them this plan to place Moses in this papyrus basket. What level of danger these parents were in to risk this and, and carry out this plan? Or were they in danger? Because the word used here for papyrus basket and what they placed him in, it's the same word in the Bible that's used for Noah's Ark. And Noah's Ark was a place of safety for God's people. So really Moses was not in danger. He was in a place of safety. Hmm. So you mean sometimes when you think you're in danger, God actually has you in a place of safety? Oh, okay, God. I see how you did that, right? And what about Pharaoh's daughter? She was conditioned to hate Moses, to feel anger, to immediately kill him. But she felt compassion on him. God had made this beautiful plan to carry out the deliverance of Moses and eventually the deliverance of his people of Israel. He had a purpose for the life of Moses. And that's, that's my title, by the way, purpose in the plan, purpose in the plan, yeah. All right. But I love God's plan here because he guided the parents of Moses. He guided the currents of the Nile. He guided the heart of Pharaoh's daughter for his plan and his purpose. And not only that, mama's now getting paid to raise Moses. Okay, she gets to nurse him, she gets paid. Then he goes into the palace and he gets raised in the Egyptian school. So he has wisdom and knowledge of things that he never would have had had he been with his people. Do you think Moses realized the story that God was writing at that time? I mean, I wouldn't. Do you see the story that God is writing for you right now? Do you see the currents of the Nile that God is guiding right now in your life? What does God want to do with you? What is he saving you from? What is he preparing you for? When you are a masterpiece, you don't get stuck in the corner. You on display, okay? That's like a whole song, by the way. You on display. God has a plan. I bet there were moments when Moses' mother just sat back and thought, wow, look at what God did. Have you reflected on those times happening in your lives? 
we're so busy, we, we don't really take a, a second to stop and like look at those currents. But give yourself the space to do that. You know, as I was writing this, it reminded me of when I became a Christian. And I grew up going to church, and I was a hot mess, basically. And I went to school at Florida State, which, you know, now when you, do, like, are deciding about college, it's like a whole thing. Like, I was just talking with a colleague. He's like, yeah, my daughter has visited 18 schools by now, you know, and she's, you know, these applications, she met with this person. I had never even been to Florida State when I went to Florida State. I had never taken a tour. I talked to my homeboy, and he was like, oh, it's a great school. And I was like, for real? Okay. Well, I guess I'm going, right? I'm so responsible. Then I get there, and I do everything I said I would never do. Thou shalt not do drugs, did that. Thou shalt not get, you know, like tied up with some dude, did that. Thou shalt not you know, miss going to church, way miss that. You know, all the things I said I would never do, and I end up going to church because my roommate invites me, and I'm like, I don't want to go on a Wednesday. Who does that? I barely go on a Sunday, but okay. You can't say no to going to church. Like, how you look? No, I don't want to go, you know? So I went, and walking into that church that Wednesday night and hearing the message and actually having a conversation with people about life and the Bible, suddenly all these questions I'd always had about God or like the church or like the Bible was there to answer them. And I'm like, God, did you bring me to Florida State for this? Like I thought I came on a whim or to go to their great business school or to get out of Atlanta, but is this what you had in store for me? Like, did you want me to become somebody? Did you want me to do something with this? Like, what's your plan here? And I was raised by an entrepreneurial woman, okay? She's bold, okay? If you've met my mom, she don't have no problem speaking her mind. She got things to do. We got places to go, okay? That's not me. I'm like, I was like the wallflower. I was in the corner. Oh, I don't wonder what it bothered me. I walk into the room. I don't talk to anybody. But God had a plan for my life, which you're seeing in action today. What story is God writing for you? In what ways is he calling you out? What has he delivered you from? What steps has he taken to get you where you are now? It's not for us to be alone. It's for us to shine for him. Let's continue reading about Moses. Exodus chapter 2, we in verse 11. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of, the fellow Israel, uh, one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Excuse me, please. So now Moses is a grown man, okay? He's been groomed to become Pharaoh, but he identifies with his people. So he's kind of in the middle. And his faith, because you remember he was raised, you know, raised by mama, his faith helps him know who he truly is, but he's kind of in the middle of two different worlds. So he kills this Egyptian, and you know he was wrong to do it because he was looking around to make sure nobody saw him do it, and then he did it. 
And instead of the Israelites welcoming him, they oppose him. They reject him. I imagine he felt pretty confused at that moment, pretty hurt, pretty prideful. I mean, I would. I'm, I'm trying to help y'all. I could be up in the palace, and I'm trying to help y'all, right? But or it means like that. <laughs> and some of us can feel in that same place. We feel confused. We feel hurt. We feel we have questions. And the Bible has answers for all of those things. You know, after this, he flees, he marries a shepherd's daughter, and he spends the next 40 years not being served in a palace, but serving as a shepherd. And I love this quote. It says, much he learned in Egypt, but much more he learned in Midian, because now he was learning how to be a nobody. He was in the desert shepherding sheep that weren't even his. He didn't even have his own sheep. He was shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. And Moses could have viewed this time as, my time is done. I did what I was supposed to do. I'm going to be here. I'm going to carry out my days and try to be a good husband. But God was actually preparing him. He had purpose in his plan in that time that Moses was in that desert. Excuse me. So one day, Moses sees this burning bush. And actually, it wasn't abnormal for them to have a burning bush. Like, that was a normal thing. But this one didn't burn. So Moses came up to it, and he was like, what's going on over here? And it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Don't you know that God sent Moses a sign that would catch his eye and so that he would go see what it was? Does he do the same thing with us? Does he send us signs to catch our eye so that we will go and see what they are? What signs do you think you're seeing right now in your story? What directions is God giving you? You know, when Moses saw this bush, he took on a posture of submission. He removed his shoes. He came over. He lowered his face. What is our response as we see these signs? What does it look like for us to be submissive? Sometimes we don't even know. What would it look like for me to have that posture during this time? The big question is, though, does God have your attention? like your full attention, 100%. You know, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, God had something for Moses to do. He said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own and fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, now, look, I was getting confused. Now I live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. I thought when you, you know, when you was in the bush, you was just going to tell me you love me and like how to be encouraged about stuff. I didn't think you was going to have something for me to do, God. But look at his response. It says he hides his face. He was afraid to look at God. Maybe this was a moment where he remembered how he had murdered an Egyptian and he was wondering, me? Like far beyond his talents that he felt he didn't have, maybe he didn't feel worthy to be used by God. 
Sometimes we can feel that way with my past, with my current situation. Maybe we're entering into a relationship with God and he's calling us to leave something or somebody and we feel we're too far gone or we can't do it. What or who is holding you back from answering the call that God has for you? Maybe you've already been a Christian for years and God is calling you to have a role in your homes or at your jobs or he's writing a story for you to lead a mission group or help somebody become a Christian. Me? Yes, you, right? Moses protested, who am I? And God said, I will be with you. He didn't need to tell him about how schooled he was or his upbringing or how he had saved him from this, this and that. He said, I'm with you, and that's all you need, because God can meet any need that we have with whatever plan he has put in our life, whatever purpose he has put in our life. And I find that when I'm fearful, it's because I'm too confident. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love my church. <laughs> I find that I'm too confident in my own ability. I forget about God's ability. I remember when they asked Angel to be the lead pastor, and I'm holding my newborn child, and I'm like, how am I going to help support a man at a time when I don't, I'm busy, like, I got a whole baby. And I think what was even more humbling than that is I had always told Sean Patterson, who was, her and her husband were leading the church at that time, I can never do what you do. Mm -mm. I just need a little group of people. I can't think about the masses. Like, that could never be me. And here God was smacking me right in the face with, or maybe lovingly encouraging me with, it's time. And I had to find that moment of, God, you're going to have to be what I'm lacking in this season, which is sleep and wisdom and courage and but being able to ask God, this is what I need from you. I want to feel your presence. I want to trust you with whatever you have put on my heart to do and to accomplish. You know, this was no small task that God gave Moses. Okay, he was going, first of all, the people don't even like Moses. So that he got to go to a people that rejected him. He's got to convince an entire race of people to let their entire free workforce go. All right, that's free labor. Now you got to kick them out. Then the Egyptians had been there for 400 years. Now he's got to convince people that they probably just wanted their situation to be, can we just stay here and we just not have to work so hard? Now he's got to convince those people to, to leave as well. You know, maybe you're in that situation. You feel like there's a mountain of work ahead of you. But God is bigger than all of that work. Or maybe you feel settled. Moses had been there for 40 years. I'm not trying to go nowhere. That, 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 I relate to that piece. I'm not trying to go nowhere. Can I just do what I have? He's probably, I'm settled. I'm secure. I don't want no more nothing. But interesting fact is Moses had named his son Gershom, which means I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. So did Moses really feel at home if he's naming his child a foreigner? Was there something that he was even missing but was probably scared to step out on? 
Do we need to be real with ourselves about the challenges we're in? Sometimes we get stuck in a chapter and we don't want to move to the next chapter because even though God has something in store for us with that next chapter, we're like, but I know this chapter and I just want to stay in it. You know, Moses had to get to the place where he was done with the excuses. He fought it hard, but at the, you know, we gave him the speech, and I think he was thinking about his wife. He was going to have to go home and tell we have to leave. Like, that's a whole other sermon, though, of trying to convince, you know. But sometimes we come up with all these excuses, but they're pretended reasons, I love this quote I found from Benjamin Franklin. It's common for men to give pretended reasons instead of one real one. Ultimately, Moses just didn't want to do it. He was unwilling, and God had to work with him through that. Sometimes we mistaken callings for, like, invitations from God. Like, well, let me think about what my RSVP is going to be to God. He's calling me to do this or let go of this or stay in my happy place. He's calling me out of that. Let me put maybe on my RSVP instead of yes. And thinking about how God is trying to do that within us. You know, sometimes we think we need more, right? God, I would love to. I'm going to get to you right away. You know, as soon as I get fill in the blank. You know, Moses thought he needed, he's like, I don't know how to speak, so I need you to, just, can, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it. So Moses, so God gave Moses Aaron, right? Aaron, he said, listen, God was like, if you feel like you can't speak, I will give you somebody that can speak for you, okay? I don't know if you guys, like, I'm a parent now, but I remember when I was younger and I would ask my mom, I would beg her for some, please, mama, please, mama, please. And then finally she'd be like, okay. Do you guys remember that? Like, I would be like, no, I don't want it anymore because you said that, like, too easy. And so I feel like there's, like, a consequence that's going to come with that. And that's ultimately what ended up happening with Aaron. You know, Aaron, Moses thought he was getting a helper, but Aaron actually ended up, like, leading a mutiny against Moses. You know, he ended up creating the golden calf when Moses was up there trying to worship the Lord. You know, sometimes we're telling God, I will, and when you give me this, but that thing is what's going to be the thing that's going to lead you away from your path. You know, what have you been telling God you need in order to move? And are we surrendered about what that thing is? Do we trust God enough to say, you are all that I need? I don't need nothing else, God. You are enough. We can't let Satan trap us into thinking and feeling that we need more. God is enough. God is all that we need. You don't need to be in a better space. Your kids don't need to be at a certain stage. You don't need more time. You have the same amount of time as everybody on this earth. We get to choose what we do with it. You know, I love that ultimately... Moses surrenders to God's plan for his life. And that's what God is calling us to do right now. He's calling us to surrender. He's calling us to stop stepping back in fear and to step forward in faith. He's calling us out of our comfort zone, y'all. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. 
But who knows the impact that we can have? Who knows how stepping out in faith will get to, ooh, I think YouTube is on my next question. What have we been telling God we need? Who knows how stepping forward in faith will impact those around us? You know, I love this. What have you been telling God you need? A better situation, more trust, direction, a house. Okay, amen. I need a place to live. A reversal of the past. That's powerful. We would love to rewrite our past in so many different ways. And I bet Moses felt the same way. But God used him nonetheless. And who knows how that helped him in the future. You know, in this season, I just want to encourage us as we close out to beg God for direction. To be listeners of what he is calling us to be. To see his purpose in the plans for our life. You know, husbands, you guys are leading us. Men, you are leading us. Help us to go in the direction that we should go. You know, wives, we are, and women, we are great influencers. Help us to lead as women in the influential areas that God has given us. You're influencing your friends. You're influencing your children. You're influencing your roommates. Think about the impact that God wants you to have and respond. You know, it can be hard to respond. I found a little video to encourage us because the good thing about being in this walk and responding to God is that we don't have to be alone. We can be in a community so that we're not uh, working at it by ourselves. So I have a little, a little something. It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then, it's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again, it's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again, it's Friday, Sunday, what? But what I love about that video is they were sitting in the car, and I love that my man here, who had obviously a lot to get out and express, he had a hype man. Everybody needs a hype man. Everybody needs something that's going to help remind you of what day it is, what time it is, what God is doing. I had my next question in there. Who is your hype man? Who is your hype man? Put it in the Mentimeter, type in your answer. Like, who does that for you? Sometimes we're trying to figure out who that is. And that's okay, too. Okay, me, myself, and I. Yes! <laughs> but somebody to remind you that you're not in this by yourself. That's why it's so important to talk about what God has put on your heart. Talking it out with those trusted officials and those advisors that you have around you. That's one of the great aspects about the church is that you can be among a group of people that are trying to do what God has called them to do. Everybody has Jesus as their hype man. Is Jesus up there? Okay, wait a minute now, church. Wait a minute. Okay, how about my wife being up there? Amen. I'm glad some brothers are feeling encouraged, your best friends, your friends. God. Okay, somebody got God there. They're like right there. 
But we all have Jesus as our hype man, but you do not have to be alone in your journey. If you're still learning what it means to be a Christian, we want to encourage you to talk to the person that invited you. Stop by the welcome table. Figure out what that looks like in your life. We're launching our mission groups in a couple of weeks to be in small groups together. Um, sometimes it's hard to connect when you've got a lot of people around you, but it's easier when you're in a smaller group. Um, so I, I put the QR code up there just in case you want to click on that and join a group. You know, some of us have been Christians for a while, and we're feeling stuck in this chapter as a Christian. So I want to encourage us this week just to beg God for direction, to call a sister, to call a brother, to pray together, and to see how God will bless that, how he's calling you out of your little cocoon and your little comfort zone that you're in, and the purpose that he has had uh, for the plans in your life. You know, as we uh, are prepared to take communion, I just love reflecting on Jesus. Um, it can be a crazy week every week, so I love that we get to do this each and every week where we remember the cross and what God did for us and how he said yes to God's purpose and his plan for his life and how as a result of him dying on the cross, I get to have a plan for my life. I get to have a purpose. I get to be called by God. So if you don't have communion, please make sure you raise your hand. The um, host team will get you um, a little uh, communion cup uh, as we remember the body that was broken for us and we remember the blood that was shed for us. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for your body that was broken for us and for your blood that was shed for us, God. Thank you for the ways that you call us, God, the dreams that you have for us, God, the masterpieces that you've made in this very room, God. I pray that you will continue to reach out to us, God. I pray that you will meet us where we are and help us to see the past that you were laying out for us, God. Help us not to shrink back, but to step forward in faith, God. Help us to trust in you above all else, God, and to know that you are with us, God, to know that we have a community, God, a group of people that are striving to do the same. We love you. We thank you for this body and this blood, and we thank you for the ways that you continue to intercede for us on a daily basis. It's in your awesome name. I always have to pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.